Mr. Aaron Griffiths or A Griffarama on Instagram. And I get to bring up Instagram here on and his Instagram handle because it was on this platform that I first met Aaron, if I can use that word uh, in this situation. Met Aaron a couple of years ago or was introduced to him or saw him. He was doing gymnastic strength movements when I first got into that stuff, uh, handstands and he was doing backflips, all this kind of stuff. And of course, he lived up in the beautiful Sunshine Coast, the hinterland, uh, something of which I was immensely jealous because I do love it up there. And then I find out he's running a law firm as well. He's a lawyer, has his own practice, has two beautiful kids, is basically this all-round beast of a human and a really amazing guy. So then this year, I was really fortunate to get to meet Aaron. He came down to Newcastle. We caught up at one of the recent Access Potential Academy events here. We were able to train together, hang out, and tee up this great conversation. But the conversation today isn't all just movement and gymnastic strength and training. We talk about some of the difficulties, some of the struggles that are a part of A, being a human, B, running a business, having a job, doing these things that require our time, that present difficulties, present challenges. And we hear a lot about Aaron's story and how he was introduced to all of this good stuff through challenge, through overcoming difficulties as a way to bring balance, to bring uh, joy to his life, to bring playfulness to his life. And as possibly a tool to help transform energy, to transform the energy that could be expressed through anger, through rage, through frustration into things like movement. And so I hope you enjoy this one. I got a lot out of this conversation. I love talking to Aaron. I love hearing about his journey. I love watching what he puts out. I love the essence of life, the playfulness that he brings into his work, into the message that he's sharing, and of course, into the environment in the room when we get to meet together as well. So enjoy, make sure you check out his work as well. So without further ado, this is Aaron Griffiths, and this is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential Podcast. So, uh, Aaron Griffiths, uh, good to see you. How are you doing? I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Really well, really well. Um, so, Aaron, just a bit of a – we'll have to kind of do a bit of an intro to everyone to give some context. Like, you know, from from my side, I know a, a little bit about you. Um, tell us – a little bit about what you your situation up there, who you are, you know, what your background is, and and we'll kind of go from there. Sure. Um, my name is Aaron Griffiths. Uh, I'm currently a lawyer uh, running a small law practice uh, on the Sunshine Coast up in Queensland. I've got two kids. They're six and four years old. Um, I live on my own. Uh, with them so they're a big focus for me uh, I really enjoy 
movement culture, movement practices, um, meditation, uh, and all that world has really opened up to me recently. So that's become a huge focus. Um, but really, I'm just trying to uh, build a good life for myself, be a good dad, be a healthy person. And that's really what I'm all about up here at the moment. Uh, did you grow up on Sunshine Coast? Is that where you're from? I didn't grow up here. I grew up down in New South Wales in the country. So a bit of a country kid at heart. And I've done a lot of travel. I've, I've been around. I went off to university, um, which started me uh, traveling and been fortunate enough to uh, visit quite a few countries um, in my time. So uh, I chose the Sunshine Coast to live and work because I love the climate, I love the culture here, and it's a prosperous area with lots going for it, um, especially the natural geography. It's beautiful. So a great place to raise a family and somewhere I always thought would be awesome to live and work. So here I am. Yeah, cool. So give us a little context because I want to go into obviously a lot of the movement stuff and some of the practices and, and the things you mentioned there. Give us a little bit of a context uh, what this means to run or own or um, have created the, the law firm that you're in, your workload. What's a typical week look like for you with that maybe to begin with? Yeah, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, I've had my own business for about 10 years. So in that in that time frame, you go through different cycles from creating the business. Um, so the first two years of that look very different to where I'm at now in the, the last two years have been more about finding more balance. So at the moment, my typical week is I only work four days a week. I work Tuesday to Friday and I take Mondays off. Um, so I have a long weekend every weekend. So I felt, I feel very spoiled, um, in that regard, but, um, being a, a dad of two, living on my own, um, I, I, I just found I needed to create more space to be healthy, to be a functional parent, um, to look after myself and to manage my stress. So um, I tend to not work too much overtime. I, I pretty much work 8.30 to 5 or 6 o'clock um, and I'll usually have um, one and a half hours, sometimes even two hours in the middle of the day to leave the office and train. I like to um, train in the middle of the day when the sun's up and I'll go outside and uh, train um, uh, just in the park across the street from my office. Uh, and weekends are devoted to my kids and Monday is my, my self-care day where I do something for myself, try to go somewhere I've never been before, uh, work on things I want to work on, my personal projects. So that's my current week at the moment. So I want to go into a little bit of uh, the movement stuff. And when I first, I remember when I first kind of stumbled across you, I think it was on the Instagram, well, it was on Instagram. <laughs> uh, and if Correct. anyone hasn't checked out Aaron's Instagram, you got to go check it out. So, and, and the thing that occurred to me was here's this guy who I thought you were, I thought you were, you know, a coach or something, a teacher movement, pretty into it. And then, uh, then I saw, you know, you, you had a post and this was a couple of years ago. Um, 
into it as opposed to maybe about your law firm and, and this sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, what's this guy up to? And <laughs> doing the, the moot, you know, you were doing at, at that stage, you were, I think you were doing um, like a lot of ring work and, and uh, gymnastic strength training. And basically there's this thing where you're, you know, definitely from a strengths perspective and um, even from a movement perspective and, and, you know, a certain sense of the word depends how we kind of go down that rabbit hole, but you are operating at your, 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 your potential, your capabilities are very high and kind of, uh, you know, like you're doing some, some pretty badass movements uh, whilst running this business and the family and the kids, tell me how, you know, for people's context, like Aaron's doing, you know, straddle planches and one arm chins and Florio work and all sorts of cool stuff. Tell me how this started for you. Uh, maybe even, I, I know you played, did you play rugby growing up? Like what did, what was your background? How come you interested in this stuff and where did, how did you sort of end up where you are? Yeah, I grew up in the country um, in a fairly isolated community which only had rugby league as the primary uh, sport modality. We were on our BMX bikes uh, all the time. You had to ride to your friend's house if you wanted to get there. I did a paper run in high school, so I was always moving. Rugby is very competitive and it has a strength component to it but also uh an acrobatic component too uh you're dodging and weaving and and you're also taking heavy impacts so i think that set the foundation for me being somewhat competitive um tough and uh also interested in strength so that's really how i got started Uh, and i played rugby up until i was in my mid-20s until I'm not a I'm not a large man. I'm I'm 75 kilos. So when I when I got to the the, the grey football playing rugby, um, it, I, I took some heavy injuries, and that more or less cut my rugby career short. So I was forced to think about something else and other ways to evolve my practice and look after my body. And that just led you, what happened then? So initially my, uh, I I don't know if this is, if it's like this for most men, but my desire was to be bigger. I always wanted to be bigger and more muscular. Uh, A lot of that had to do with rugby because you you need weight as well as power to be uh, destructive on the field. And the goal is to smash your opponent out of the way or to, Mm. dodge and weave them so I was on this quest to always get bigger and that involves some weightlifting so when I could no longer service playing rugby as well as working and the injuries I I stopped but I still had this mindset of lifting weights to get bigger and I was in my mid-20s at the time so uh, I, I that probably associated itself to being more attractive to the opposite sex and all these other things that go into the young male mind. So I just kept lifting weights and I didn't have, I didn't ever stretch. I didn't do any mobility work. 
Um, I just lifted weights to get bigger until that started to turn on me and I started to have injuries from that. So um, eventually I was forced to rethink the way I looked at training and um, uh, finally um, I, 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 was, I was really squatting heavy and deadlifting and getting into the powerlifting stuff and I, I tore the labrum in my hip, uh, which meant I could, I could hardly this is at a, this was about five years ago. I'm 38 now. Um, so about 33, I, I tore the labrum in my hip and I could hardly walk across the road without pain. And I, it just stopped me from doing this heavy lifting. And I, I had to, <clears throat> I had to find something else or, or I'd go crazy. And, um, I stumbled across the work of Edo Portal around five years ago, which I think most people in the movement community are familiar with his work and he said something very powerful that that struck me and he said um you, you know what is your body can you can you flip can you invert uh what patterns do you have bro you know and um i just realized that i i'd built some muscles but i wasn't functional at all and i couldn't flip i couldn't uh, invert. I couldn't do a handstand. I couldn't do any of these things that he could do. And I'm looking at some of his students and, and their acrobatics and their their strength, the body weight, power was insane. And I, I felt really useless. I, I started trying to do some of these things that I couldn't do anything at all. And I just felt completely useless. Um, but due to the injuries and not being able to lift weights, I started to explore gymnastics and and body weight movement and that's led me into things like the straddle planche and the, mm. the ones and and that sort of work so that's been a huge part of my practice just in the last i've only really been doing that stuff for a couple of years now mm. uh, that's my that's one of my current focuses you mentioned the word explore there when you explored the gymnastic strength and <clears throat> all the other stuff as well and that to me, this word kind of uh, this this almost archetype of explorer or adventure, adventurer kind of traveler sort of seems to be a little bit integrated into how you're living and the way you sort of operate. Like there's a lot of play and exploration going on. Uh, did this, you know, you mentioned earlier on these practices, the meditation. I know you do a lot of the breath work as well. Was this exploration through the movement also coinciding with some of this other stuff? Do you want to take us back a little bit to how that all started as well, whether it was along the same time or was it something different and, and what caused this sort of, it feels like a bit of a shift that you're talking about as well. Yeah. <clears throat> well, and um, without getting too esoteric and um, woo-woo, <laughs> I've, come, <laughs> I've come to believe that your emotions can manifest themselves in your body and and uh, result in injuries. And the my stiffness and and my my breaking down physically was also um, reflective of my emotional state at the time. Um, I'd. Uh, uh, I had some trauma, um, which started in around 2010, 
Um, my, my wife at the time was in a horrific car accident and she was nearly killed and it was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. Um, a policeman uh, called me and told me that she'd been in a head-on collision on the, on the, on the freeway and um, when I drove there, um, so I witnessed this movie scene, um, smouldering vehicles and choppers landing and police everywhere and firemen. It was something out of a movie and um, time slowed down and it was a really weird out-of-body moment. And, um, yeah, she nearly died in my arms uh, in the ambulance and um, they, they just managed to save her and um, that changed the whole course of my life at the time. Um, I was actually working for another firm, uh, a law firm at the time, and um, two weeks after that event, I got made redundant as a, a side effect of the GFC. Um, there were huge layoffs and, and I was included in that. So uh, all of a sudden, you know, we had a mortgage and we were two people without income and uh, she had a huge rehabilitation ahead of her and um, I took on a lot of pressure to provide for, for us and get us through that. And, and um, as a man, I looking back, um, I relied on her a lot to um, mother me and uh, to take care of me. And all of a sudden it was, it was all on me to um, step up. And so I did the best that I, I, I could at the time. And um, uh, part of that was I felt I needed to provide. So I started my own practice and I went out there and I was, uh, I was desperate. I, uh, I, I would outwork anybody. And I'm not a high working sort of guy. I was never a workaholic, but um, when you're desperate and your back's against the wall, you'll fight. And, and I did that. So for two years, I went really, really hard. And my physical practice at that time was um, very, very poor. I, I didn't do much at all. I, I really needed to focus on being there for her and as best I could in starting the business. That went skew if for me at some point where that turned on me. And um, as I struggled to cope with everything, I started to rely heavily on alcohol. And I guess you could describe me as a functioning alcoholic for a number of years and um, got very unhealthy. I was extremely adrenal. And um, when I did go back to the gym and start this heavy lifting, my body just rejected it. And I, I had a lot of injuries um, because I, I was uh, just struggling to cope. Um, it, it took its toll. Uh, we, had, we had two children. That didn't exactly make the, the, the load lighter. It, it got very hard. And um, uh, eventually um, I had to come to terms with the fact that I had a, I had a few problems that I wasn't dealing with. Um, and uh, there was a particular incident when, uh, as my wife uh, came good and we had kids, um, we, uh, we were fighting a lot. And the relationship was um, not working very well at all. And we were driving driving along this day, and um, we got into an argument about the temperature on the on the uh, in the car. You know, with the uh, the AC, it was so trivial. Looking back, it's ridiculous 
We're fighting about what setting to put it on. That's that's where we got to. And um, uh, uh, <laughs> she wanted it hot. I wanted it cold. And uh, I just bought this new cap and I'd had it badged up with my law firm uh, logos on it. And so I was being a dick and I, I wound down the window because she wanted it hot and I put my head out the window and my brand new cap flew off my head and landed in the middle of the highway and I've looked in the rear view and a truck went straight over it and I cracked this shit so I got so shitty and I turned the car around. We're on our way to a family barbecue and um, I'd, been, I'd already been drinking, um, not over the limit, but at this point in time I was constantly drinking every night, um, you know, 8, 10, 12 beers, some whiskey, some wine, whatever. And um, I pulled the car back around to try and get my hat and I pulled the car over and we slid down this embankment, this ditch, and um, the car was teetering on the edge of this embankment. And um, I saw the fear in my children's eyes and I saw the fear in, in my wife's eyes at the time and, and, I, and I had this um, uh, crazy amount of guilt I, I just nearly killed everyone because I couldn't regulate my emotions and I, I was this anger outburst and this temper that would flare like I'd, I'd redline so quickly and um, anyway they had to shut the road down and pull my car out and it was so embarrassing and a nice old lady took um, my wife and the kids away and um, and there was this moment where I had to wait for the um, the tow truck to come and I, I sat down in the drain and it just all overwhelmed me and I just started weeping. I just started crying uncontrollably, sobbing. Um, and I was just like a real rock bottom emotionally and I realised I just, I this, uh, this voice, this inner knowing came to me. Uh, I, I stopped drinking. I knew I just stopped drinking in that moment. Um and I went sober after that for about 18 months and that coincided with my exploration into how do I heal, how do I get healthy, I'm, I'm not healthy, I'm not looking after myself. Three months into that process, I, the anger got worse and I went to see a psychologist about it and she recommended meditation. So uh, I went and took a transcendental meditation course and built that into my practice and that was one of the most useful tools I had for managing my anger. Eventually, through the clarity that came from that 18 months of healthy living, training, I became like a, like a little monk down in my basement just doing gymnastics, handstands. Um, I started on the wall. I, I couldn't do a handstand. I couldn't do anything. But I just started um, bit by bit. And every day I just did a little bit. Mm. I got healthier and clearer. And... Um, Eventually, I came to the realization that the relationship wasn't working, so it led to a separation um, from my from my uh, from my wife at the time, and that started a whole new process. So that's how it all started, and that's how I sort of got into it all through that period of clarity. Just uh, one part was interesting, or all of it was interesting, and thank you for sharing. Uh, I've heard parts of the story once before, and always amazes me. And and um, you know, to hear it again is is uh, is really nice, and also um, 
you know, there's a lot in there as well. And and the one thing I just wanted to ask you is, you know, you mentioned that there was this incident where you found yourself on the side of the road and there was the air conditioning argument. Um, <clears throat> but talk to me a little bit about the day-to-day life, you know, what did it feel like? Say, 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 pick a, a spot maybe two weeks prior to that, and you're just living in this, right? So, you just the breakdown hasn't come yet. And, you know, because for, for a lot of us, we're living and we're just living in a context, you know, we're living in some way, and it feels just as it does, it just feels normal. It's just what we have going on, whatever that may be for, for any of us. Talk to me a little bit about what it looked like for Aaron then, this lifestyle or, or how you felt, how everything was going before that happened. Before it happened, um, I, was, I was having a lot of trouble regulating anger. Mm-hmm. I would um, get very angry very quickly. I was feeling really frustrated and um, I would cope by drinking. So I would numb myself and that would turn the volume down. So I would just, you know, it's such an effective tool, alcohol, when you think about it, because if you don't want to deal with the problem, you can drink until it goes away. And so I dealt with my problems on a daily basis by drinking as many beers as it took until I, I didn't hear it anymore. So, but if a problem came up for me, I would be at snapping point uh, so quickly um, because of this buildup. Um, it's not a long-term strategy, but it was the one that I was using as a crutch each day to get through. Mm. And uh, you're, you're building at this time, you're building, you know, you're working six, seven days a week on building the business still. Yeah, I was I was really functional. I mean, I could I I you're not running at full capacity, obviously, but you can get through your work. Um, uh, you can get enough done to run your business, which was my primary focus. Mm. Um, I was doing my my best with the family, but on reflection, you know, I'm not giving my best to anyone really. Um, everyone got a a subpar version of myself. So, um, but it, you can still function. I, I could still function and, and get through it. Um, but it did cause me problems with relationships because I didn't have any patience or, or compassion or, or any empathy. Um, I was um, uh, quick to judge and just, yeah, uh, adrenal. So, it was fairly unpleasant. I, I smashed many things. I I uh, smashed a laptop to pieces once in a in a fit of rage because I was so mad that um, someone wouldn't listen to me. Um, I was the type of guy that if the whipper snipper didn't start three or four pulls, I'm I'm throwing it over the fence. Uh, I, I I smashed so many power tools, and if stuff didn't work. I just I just smash it to bits, and I <laughs> I don't even know what sort of solution is that you know. I just smash it, 
Yeah. Uh, so like that Rick, was, Rick, Rick at Ralph just throwing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I I look back. I'm I'm mortified. I'm embarrassed by by some of my behaviour. But that was I, me. Yeah. I, to be honest, like I think it's really important to to talk about important, interesting to acknowledge. You know, because uh this is, you know, how we're, how we're relating to the environment, how we're reacting, responding, whatever it may be, you know, that might be your way of expressing it back then to break the thing, you know, and we all have something different, but I think to go back and feel out what that was like, you know, and so do you think it took the, do you think it took, you know, I don't want to use the word like a, a bottoming or, a, um, you know, like the, the thing in the car, but do you think it took something that big? Is that what you needed to then go, okay, shit, I'm going to, I've got to check myself here. I think, I think I needed something. Um, I needed a rock bottom. Um, Mm. That's, that's the way the lesson came for me. I, I was aware of um, healthier practices, but I just never had the incentive or the motivation to to change until my pain became unbearable. I I I it was more a sense of um, actually surrendering and letting go and um, sort of sort of quitting on my own ego in a way where it was a giving in. It felt like. I, I, I sort of gave up to this character that I'd spent, you know, 33 years building and this, this avatar of Aaron that um, I'd set up wasn't serving me anymore and no matter how hard I tried and how angry I got, things weren't turning out the way I wanted and it was a uh, – I wanted – I just – wanted peace and I realized that I was suffering deeply um, every day and I wanted that pain to stop. I wanted it to end and it was my tap out moment when I, I tapped out. I, I was ready to give in on a spiritual level and it was when that happened, that was my rock bottom moment and from there I was, it was liberating. It's like it came off. Uh, I'm not. I don't have to be this guy anymore. I'm just going to start and build a new character. Um, and there was a shift inward, and it's embarrassing. Like, but uh, I just started again, and I gave myself a clean slate in a way. Um, and not drinking started to. I guess clean the lenses. It's like I'd been wearing glasses that had become so covered in filth and muck, like a windscreen driving through the country and it had accumulated a thick resin of insects and crickets and broken beetles um, that I could hardly see through it anymore. And um, week by week I was cleaning it, doing these practices, looking after my body, you know, when I stopped drinking alcohol, I couldn't believe how thirsty I was because mm. I, I rarely drank water. I drank coffee and liquor. 
that's all I drank for years. <laughs> and when I stopped drinking alcohol, I, I, was, I had this insatiable thirst, this uh, powdery tongue for like a week. And I, it didn't matter how much uh, water I drank. I, it was like my body was craving H2O hydration because it had been severely sort of dehydrated for such a long time. So I went through all these weird, you know, I had crazy dreams. I, um, uh, my physical appearance started to change. I lost, I lost weight. I, I could feel the hardness coming back to my muscles. Um, yeah, it was, my hair felt different. Uh, my eye, seeing my sight was different. Uh, my senses started to return. <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, it was fascinating to go through that, um, but the opportunity was there to rebuild and, and create a new Aaron. So, talk to me about this idea of practices. You know, because now you're still running the firm, you're doing a lot of cool work on the side. You're doing the movement. You got you know the breath. You got all of these things and you don't have a lot of time, right? You, you, you're, you're doing a lot. Your life is full. You've got a lot going, a lot of cool stuff going on. How, how are you using this idea of practices? What does it mean to you? Well, I realized that, um, just getting up sluggish in the morning, dragging my ass to work, sitting there for eight or 10 hours and then just, going home and drinking wasn't a very effective structure uh, for feeling happy. So I looked at my day and I thought, well, I can get up a bit earlier, do something that I enjoy that makes me feel good in the morning. I can go and do some work, be productive. I can block out, say, two hours in the middle of the day to do something then when the sun is high and I can go outside, do something then. And then at night after the kids go down, with all this extra energy I now had uh, because I wasn't drinking anymore, um, I actually had a couple hours or an hour at least to do something in the evening. So I started to see my life in these three windows before work, in the middle of the day and after work. And it gave me stuff to look forward to each day rather than um, dreading coming into the office um, if I knew I just had to get through the first couple of hours and then I'd get to go outside and learn how to do a backflip on the lawn, <laughs> I, I had something to motivate me to go to work. So eventually by doing that, work became stuff I did in between these other three windows that brought me a lot of joy and fulfilment and excitement and fear and um, in a healthy way. So yeah, work's kind of the stuff I do in between this other stuff and I found a way to thread it through. For anyone that's thinking of stopping drinking, um, uh, I would say it's also good to stay busy and I needed, I needed activity um, to do and the first three months were brutal because I'd, I'd pushed down all these emotional issues like it was under a carpet mm. and all of a sudden you lift the mat and there is this pile of stuff you haven't dealt with for years. And so I had to go through 
through and process a lot of stuff that had been there for a long time that was festering. And that was confusing to me because I thought, hey, I'm, I'm not drinking, I'm training, I'm doing these good things. Why am I not feeling great? Why am I angry still? Hmm. So I reached out for some help and um, I went to see a psychologist and they suggested meditation. So initially I was fairly strict with my meditation practice and I did it first thing in the morning and last thing at night, 20 minutes to sort of bookend my day. And that was highly beneficial for just clearing all the all the stuff, all the thoughts, all the emotions that I had in there. So um, I was very strict with that initially, but as I as I felt better, I, I was able to relax that a bit. Um, now I do have a few drinks here and there, but I'm not a I'm not using it as medicine. Now it's um, uh, more of a a playful thing. So hmm. once I, I got a handle on it, it took me a couple of years. Um, I was able to return to it, but with some moderation. That word I'm is conscious of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'd I love to look at that um, word playful. This idea of playfulness, and then also uh, anger, right? Rage, anger, and breaking things. And there's two expressions of energy and two ways to kind of walk through the world and. Talk to me now, like when you feel, you know, because we still feel all, all spectrums, I'd imagine. So like when, talk to me a little bit about those two words. Like what do you, you know, the first part of the story, it sounded like there was a lot of energy being expressed through the rage, through throwing the stuff, you know. Talk to me about that and maybe does movement come into it? Like what, do, what does that mean to you and how does it look now? I think um, I read a book uh, that was very helpful, <clears throat> The Way of the Superior Man by David Dieter, and um, that really opened my eyes to the polarity of masculine and feminine energy, and I realised that I was very much in a masculine state. Um, it was very difficult for me, for me to soften and to be patient and to step into my feminine power, which is listening and um, hearing somebody else, not just talking, not just uh, dominating the conversation, not just dominating somebody physically or um, or just only doing strength work, not doing mobility, not, not opening, not softening. And so I was this damaged um product of an over-masculine approach to life. So that book was um, opened me up to the idea that, oh, look, I'm not, you're not a, uh, a wimp or a, um, uh, you're not a girly guy if you embrace the feminine. In fact, you, you're a better man if you have some balance between the two. And I, re I looked at my, my, my movement practice, it was all, smash and crash there was no uh opening no softening and same with the way i approached work and my relationships and everything i realized it was too um extreme on one end so uh or i'd never the word mobility was foreign to me i i didn't stretch ever um and all of a sudden uh, I felt better if when my hips started to open a bit, my back started to open, my shoulders, I, 
I could move. It, it, it brought me freedom. And the same with my relationships. I had to practice a lot to, um, and I'm not, I'm not perfect as it is, but um, learning to listen, I had to start to learn that process again and um, hear somebody out. And uh, that's something that um, is now a focus for me, whether it's in my movement practice, my relationships, my work. Um, so I think uh, that's where it's at at the moment. And it's a constant work in progress and it's a reconciliation of the two. And um, uh, I think that's what it means to be, you know, a man in the, in the modern era. Hmm. Tell me about this concept of the practice of work or the practice in work. You know, you've mentioned to me that people come into your firm and they might be expecting a certain archetype or certain representation of the lawyer and and then then they see Aaron and they're like, well, okay, yeah, let's see how this unfolds. But you said also that you think there's almost an edge in this. Talk to me about this concept of listening of growth as a human and and work and what you see with your business. Yeah, well, I, I used to feel like I didn't fit in. Maybe I'm in the wrong space. Um, but I've come to think that it's it's pretty much perfect wherever you are. It's all the way you see it and your attitude towards it. So people get a bit of a shock when they meet me and, and um, you know, in, in the lawyer context because I probably don't look or sound uh, stereotypical. Um, you know, I don't have the, the little glasses and um, the pinstripe suit and the Amani tie and all of that stuff. I, I, I did try that initially, but it wasn't really me and my style. And so as I've stepped into my own style, I just be myself. And um, uh, rather than that being a problem, it's turned into an advantage because people like to do business with people that are authentic have compassion and can listen and the bedside manner and the friendliness and the openness and the warmness um, brings, brings about business and provided you're technically proficient, um, it turns into an edge. So it's actually been a weapon for me um, because you stand out, you are different. Um, You're not the same as the other guy. I stop trying to look like everybody else. I stop trying to sound like everybody else. I just do me. And if that works for you, I don't resonate with everyone, but um, uh, the people that I want to work with uh, tend to enjoy it. And I get to practice in the style that I'm comfortable with, that I'm morally um, satisfied with, and which can be challenging in the legal setting because there's some stuff that goes on in this industry that I don't agree with, but I found a place where I can be comfortable with it. And um, that tends to bring business. So it's worked for me as a weapon rather than a burden. So you're bending the boundaries of the game a little bit to be yourself, to bring Aaron into the space maybe the boundaries of what we might perceive to be the rules of that game, you know, from an outsider. 
But, you know, you could say, look, you know, it's easy for you. You own the joint. You run the place. You started it. You you get to make the rules. And I know we've had a lot of conversation around what we've both seen in the corporate environment, some of the struggles that we've both experienced, but also that we see in others and we hear from others. What do you say, you know, maybe whether it's this concept of practice or movement or whatever else that comes to mind, but what would you say or what do you, what comes to mind for you with somebody else? Maybe it's an employee of yours, a colleague of yours, or someone who is listening down in Melbourne or Sydney or Auckland or whatever, who's in the boundaries of that game or of a space which maybe isn't so congruent with the essence of who they are and they're feeling this conflict and how would you navigate that starting from scratch? You know, if you walked into your office as an employee or if someone else, what would you do? Well, I think um, the rules can be bent. Um, there's fundamental rules that you, you have to respect, but the rules can be bent. Um, for example, it always shocks me that people don't go outside uh, during lunch um, and sit at their desks. Um, people say they don't have time to have a physical practice, but there is time. It's just how you see it and where you prioritise it. So um, rather than jump to the radical extreme of thinking, you know what, I've just got to quit what I'm doing and do something go and be uh, something else and maybe that will save me. I think the better approach is to start to save yourself from the inside. Um, learn to be comfortable in what you're doing at the moment, even if you don't like all of its rules. Find where you can bend them. Um, how can you make small changes to improve your day? Um, and that could just be the tiniest little snippets of something that brings you joy or peace or happiness and thread that through, start to thread that through. And you'll find that um, it becomes a lot more enjoyable. And um, there's been many times in the past where I've hated being a lawyer. I've just hated the massive hours and the billable units and the pressure from my superiors. But I've found a way to have my own practice now and bend some of those rules. So um, it's been tempting to uh, just quit and uh, become a traveling nomad hippie, uh, <laughs> but I've got worldly responsibilities to consider as well. So um, my idea at the moment is trying to service those responsibilities, but get the be happy as I do it. And a lot of that is just how I perceive um, the work that I'm doing rather than the actual work itself. It's all how I see it. So mm. it's hard on my perspective and I would encourage somebody to uh, start with that. There's a book, uh, Finite and Infinite Games by James Cast that I bring up to people a lot. It's, quite, uh, it's something I really enjoyed back from 1986. And he, in it, he speaks about this concept of roles and effectively, in the infinite game, we see the role. We, we, we can play the finite game of the lawyer, of the 
bank or whatever it may be, but we we're playing it from this perspective that we see we see what it is that we're doing in this role, and we bring the essence of Aaron or John or whoever into this, and then we step into that domain and bend the boundaries as we can. But it can bring this playfulness to something where there may have been a lot of seriousness before. Do you think that you having explored this movement, the breath, everything that you're so passionate about in your own life from this place of healing and this journey, do you feel that there's been a shift through you, you're, you're feeling more joy through the work place also? So it's transpired or, or translated across all of these domains, including work? I think so. I think it changes the vibration that you emit and I know people receive me differently. So that's beneficial when you're managing team, you're managing staff, you're managing clients and their expectations. Um, People can feel your presence. They know when you're listening, when you're truly compassionate, when you're truly listening to them, Uh, you're hearing their problems you're trying to come up with solutions. It makes a huge difference if you're radiating uh, these healthy vibes and um, you you can feel when someone has self-love and they've worked on that and they've cultivated that, it emits a frequency that other people sense. So that sounds very hippy-dippy, but um, it's improved uh, every facet of my life. And part of that is not identifying myself as a lawyer. I'm yeah. not just a lawyer. Um, I'm, a, a, you know, a spiritual being having a physical life. Uh, I happen to practice law. Um, I happen to do handstands. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not dependent on any of those labels, though. They don't define who I am. Um, I'm something deeper than that. So that's been enormously helpful. Tell me, how do you, in the midst of the fray, right, the the storms passing over and you're like two weeks into, you know, a whole bunch, you got a bunch of new clients, you're busy, you've got the, you know, a compression on the diary and one thing's going to another. How do you use, whether it's the practices or how do you navigate the shift to the kids you know how do you how do you bring attention back to the personal relationships back to these other areas uh with so much on the on the plate at once when this happens what's your strategy what do you find works for you well i think constant review of uh your priorities and um uh, obviously, when there's spot fires, uh, putting your attention to those. But ultimately, it's um, maintaining balance and I think just being constantly aware of um, uh, who needs you and, and your priorities. And um, if you focus too much on one thing and specialise just on one thing, like I used to, I was all about work uh, for a period and I paid a price, you know, I... Um, it damaged relationships and uh, I wasn't there for people who needed me. So it's a constant review process and 
um, I will. Uh, it's a process of forgiveness too, because uh, you're not perfect. Things aren't always going to work out um, as you'd planned. So, not beating yourself up about it, waking up fresh uh, the next day, starting again. And um, so, I'm constantly starting again, and I and I try to just uh, forgive myself for the mistakes I made yesterday. Um, learn from them, try not to make them again. So it's self-reflection and um, you might get that through a meditation practice, through breath work or just through system interrupts. Um, you know, I've been taking the ice bars recently and using cold therapy just to, it's a, it's a, it's a pattern interrupt just to give you a reset. Um, reset, go inward, um, come out, you've got new insights, um, a fresh uh, approach and and start again so that's how I do it and that's what I would suggest to people who are having trouble or dwelling on things mm. uh, you uh, mentioned this concept of like permission or or um, acceptance the, or another word that comes to mind is uh, self-compassion and um, you know starting again and it sounds like you find a lot of strength in that uh, you know, that ability to be okay with it, to forgive yourself when you slip or if there's a tension gone somewhere else or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah, I think it's all uh, perfect as it is and uh, the mistakes are essential to your growth. So learning to accept them, learning to, uh, learning to accept them and um, that they're actually... Uh, a good thing. And I look back at those injuries that I had and they led me to a broader movement practice. So I'm grateful for them. So when they're happening, they suck. And when you uh, have debt or um, a relationship breakdown or guilt for not being there for your kids or something, that's actually all necessary. It's all part of uh, the process and the trick is though um, forgiving yourself for those things and moving on um, mm. and that, that's how you grow yeah I love it so you're now you've got a bit of a you've got a website and a blog going I see you doing videos we're sharing some of the practices and some of the thoughts from some of this stuff Yes. What's the what's the message that you'd like to, or the change you'd like to make? You know, uh, what's the what would you like to see in this space? You know, people around you, your peers. Well, I would just like to share and uh, uh, help other people by sharing what I've learned, um, so that they can have some tools to ease their suffering. And if there's people out there that struggled with some of the same issues that I did. Um, there are great tools that can help you uh, find a bit more peace in your life on a daily basis and ease some of that suffering. So um, I'm, I'm sharing some of those things through my Instagram page, um, uh, agriforama. You can find me at agriforama or uh, I, I've, I've got a blog that I've um, just started, aaringriffiths.com.au. Um, where I'm sharing ice baths and meditation, movement practices, um, and my hope is that people can find a way to splice that through their day 
even if you are a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor or someone that's busy and doesn't have time. Uh, and, uh, and hopefully that can bring about a bit more peace. Yeah. And I just sort of say before we finish up, like I, I think it's because of the things that the journey you've gone through because of the, you know, your weekly load, the firm you're running these, this, the whole thing that you, you, you have such a powerful message and that's why I always get excited to talk to you and to listen because there's so much in this and it's from, it's, it's on the front lines, you know, it's whilst maintaining, um, a presence in different types of these games, you know, in the law firm, in the, all of these areas at once, which I think is really beautiful. And I just want to acknowledge that and thank you for, for stepping up and for sharing it because it's, you know, it's, it's rare. It's rare. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. And yeah, always appreciate your work too, John. And, um, yeah, always inspired by the work that you do. So, um, yeah, thanks for sharing your message as well. Oh, that's okay, man. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the words. Having said that, I probably should log off because the law for the uh, the lawyer rates are going to start to tick over here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you an invoice. I'll send you an invoice. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking at the minutes tick over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks so much. Uh, I really do appreciate. It. I know a lot of people are going to resonate with this one. And for anyone listening, go jump on. I'll put the links to both the Instagram, a Griffarama, and your website on the notes for this so you can link out or you can go directly to find Aaron's stuff, jump into his, his, uh, his IGTV, his Instagram posts, his blogs. It's all really cool stuff. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of laughs too. There's a lot of humor and playfulness, which is really, really cool. Uh, good stuff. Thank you, man. All right, Aaron, have a great day. Talk to you soon. Okay. Peace everybody.